The Outside World is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Want to go to the Big 12 Championship game in Dallas? The GameTime app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute tickets up to 60% off. It's not about what the outside world thinks. It's about what does you know what do you have in that room and the best man wins and you give everybody a shot at it. The outside world doesn't see the summer workout on a Monday morning. They don't see that progress, but, but we as coaches do. Well, regardless of what the outside world thinks, we, we believe a lot in our defense. Another edition of the outside world starts right now. I'm John Hayes. Of course, you can follow me at John Hayes on air. You can follow my co-host as well, Jason Kersey, at Jason Kersey. It's Sunday morning where we are recording this after the Sooners' big win in Stillwater in the Bedlam game. College football playoff hopes alive. If you're a Sooner fan, you're happy this morning. What was it like uh, over the weekend in Stillwater, Jason? What was the vibe? It looked like a, a packed stadium. Uh, but at the end, Oklahoma State just didn't have the guns, especially with a backup quarterback to keep up with the Sooners. Yeah, I mean, it was a uh, it, was, it was an exciting tight game for for the first half for uh you know into the third quarter it was a uh, you know it was still relatively tight Oklahoma State pulled it within four um you know with uh with 941 left in the third but uh, from that point forward it was all all Sooners um and really you know after that after Oklahoma State's field goal to pull it within within four Oklahoma ran off an 11 play 93 yard drive Took six minutes off the clock and really felt like the backbreaker. I mean, Kennedy Brooks carried the ball eight times on that on that drive. Um, and, you know, and, and Oklahoma State was just was just worn down and and uh, and Oklahoma State never scored again after that. Who's the MVP of this football team right now? Because um, I, I think you've got an interesting take on this. I'm, I'm on theAthletic.com right now and I'm reading your your post game column and. Um, I see the name Kennedy Brooks, um, large in big lettering at the top of this column. Yeah, I mean, I think Kennedy Brooks is the most valuable player on the team, and I, I, I think that that's, uh, that's been the case now for a few weeks, maybe even longer than that, but um, it was plainly apparent last night. Oh, you know, Kennedy Brooks carries the ball 22 times for 160 yards. Um, when Kennedy Brooks is involved, when he's carrying the ball that much, this version of the Oklahoma Sooners operates at its best, and, and that's all. That's across the board. When he's more involved, um, the the offense runs, uh, you know, as a run heavy, um, pounded out sort of uh, sort of team, break your will as a defense sort of team, uh, and conversely, they keep the Oklahoma defense rested on the side, and it should be no surprise that the Oklahoma defense has played some of its best ball in the last three games while they've employed this sort of strategy. I mean, it's funny. We, um, 
you know, I, I don't know that anyone in the media hammered at home quite like I did when Kennedy Brooks and, and at the time Trey Sermon, who was now injured for, and lost for the season, uh, wasn't getting the ball very much. And, you know, in the, in the loss to Kansas State, Kennedy Brooks got the ball three times. Since that game, he's had 80 rushes for 534 yards, including Kansas State. And then in the seven or eight games before that, he had 48 rushes for 383 yards. It's just no surprise that when he gets the ball, uh, Oklahoma's offense is playing at its best. And I, I asked Lincoln Riley about getting him more involved, and Riley was sort of sarcastically shot back at me. Well, I was just taking y'all's suggestion. And you know, um, I, I know that he was joking, but it kind of was my suggestion, and it seems to be working out. <laughs> you know, it's you know it's interesting in regards to to Kennedy Brooks and 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 how often now he's getting the rock, and and I think you've hit the nail on the head. This this coaching staff understands right now um, where their bread is buttered and and that's on the ground but normally Jason when you have a, a running back that can that can really carry the load it's it's taking pressure you know off the passing game and setting up that downfield that air attack for a quarterback the way this team works I think is is a little bit different. I think Kennedy Brooks on the ground actually sets up for Jalen Hurts on the ground because Jalen Hurts has been running the ball so much. I mean, we've, we've noted his carries um, on this podcast for the last couple weeks, and, and they are just off the charts. But um, when you look at last night, it's the first time, um, I, I think, in a couple games where, where Kennedy Brooks had more carries than Jalen Hurts. And to me, that's important. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jalen Hurts last night, um, 16 carries for 61 yards, uh, pretty low um, by the standards that he's set. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts carried the ball 16 times, and he threw the ball 16 times. I mean, um, we're, we're, we're seeing, too, you're, you're right. He, he, I mean, obviously, he, he's a very effective runner, but, I mean, last night he only had 61 yards, and 28 of them came on, on the opening drive on his touchdown run. Um, so he was not running the ball, you know, nearly as effectively last night. Maybe that's because, you know, Mike Gundy had, was sort of funny in the, or earlier in the week when he said uh, that OU's offense is a one-man show and that uh, they're basically running a they're a wishbone team. Uh, just they're just disguising it in the spread. Um, so you can tell they focused a lot on Jalen Hurts on on slowing him down. Um, but the the truth is. Oklahoma Oklahoma's offense is just not the same as it was last year and that's okay that it's not the same as it was last year because Jalen Hurts is not the same passer that Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray were and and earlier in the season it seemed like maybe he was but we're finding out as the season goes along there's a reason why he didn't throw the ball very much at Alabama there's a reason uh, and there's a reason why he's not throwing the ball very much right now um he he often makes bad decisions in the passing game. Um, I think there are, there are issues with him seeing the field sometimes. Last night, uh, there was a play where he, they picked up 30 yards because he found Jeremiah Hall and uh, for a short pass, and then Jeremiah Hall uh, picked up a, a, a big chunk of yardage after that. Um, but CeeDee Lamb was wide open down the field and would have scored. And that brings me to another point that I think is worth mentioning. CeeDee Lamb in the last couple of games, and really this whole season, um, has not been nearly as involved in the offense as I think anyone expected uh, that he would. 
and you can start to sense some frustration from CD. Um, there were he, his body language is not great right now. It's an interesting point. CD Lamb, he only has you're right, Jason, two catches in that TCU game, um, and you start to maybe really question Jalen Hurts and his ability to throw out the quarterback position. But, you know, I've got to be honest with you, Jason. Like, the last couple of weeks on this show, I really feel like you're giving Jalen Hurts a difficult time. Well, I mean, I, I'm not... Uh, I mean, this guy <laughs> has put Oklahoma on his back for the entire season. I mean, literally, he is this entire team on the offensive side. Like, his ability to throw and run and the numbers that he has put up this season are unbelievable. And I feel like every week we, we come on the show and you try to tell me why there's somebody on this offense that's better than he is. And we can, well, we can circle CeeDee Lamb. We can circle Kennedy Brooks. But Jalen Hurts, I mean, his numbers are unreal. I mean, what he's able to do is a true dual-threat quarterback. And that's my point is, like, when I said the last two, three weeks, Jalen Hurts is more carries than Kennedy Brooks. Like, you're calling Kennedy Brooks the MVP of this team. And then when you look at Baylor, you've got Jalen Hurts, 27 carries for 114 yards. When you look at TCU, you've got Jalen Hurts, 28 carries for 173 yards. He's better than Kennedy Brooks as a running back. My point is, I mean, you can look at the numbers and see when this offense has started um, you know, when, when they were not, when they started playing better teams like Kansas state, um, Jalen Hurts's passing was not nearly the same as it was earlier in the season when they were playing Houston, South Dakota and UCLA. Uh, his, his running wasn't, he, he puts the ball on the ground. He's fumbled five times this year. He's thrown a bunch of ugly interceptions. Um, the last three game, last four games since Kansas State, as Kennedy Brooks has been more involved, the offense is running more effective. Um, in ter- in terms of uh, just overall, they're they're holding on to the ball, they're breaking teams' backs, breaking their wills, and the defense is getting more time to rest. So on the whole, Kennedy Brooks being more involved has made the team better as a whole. So that that's my point. And that's why I think right. I'm I'm not I'm not even calling him the sure best player Kennedy on the Brooks, team. I'm though? calling him the most valuable player. Are you, on the team. Uh, yes. Are you sure it's Kennedy Brooks? Though you take his name off and you just put another running back in there and give him carries because to me I, I don't think it's like the the actual person who's inside the jersey. I think it's just the coaching staff's decision to hand somebody else the football. Like you take any running back on the roster and you put him out there and you hand him the football, and I think th- things change. What um, when you when you look at um, late last night in, in the game, and all of a sudden you see um, Kennedy Brooks out of the game, and you've got Ramonde Stevenson in there. He's got three carries for 50 yards. My point is, like, he's, he's toting the rock beautifully in the fourth quarter. I just want to make sure that, that we're, we're not selling Jalen Hurts short. That's all. Because it looks to me that you can plug and play anybody at that running back position. It's just about whether Lincoln Riley and Jalen Hurts in the road zone read situations actually hands the ball off. I, you know, I've watched Kennedy Brooks play now for two years. The guy is really, really good. I mean, his the way he runs, how smooth he is. It doesn't ever look like he's running very fast, but he is. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that it's quite as simple as just plug someone else in there and, and and they would do the same things that Kennedy Brooks does. I mean, the guy never loses yards. Um, he always picks something up on every on every time he has the ball. I, I don't know. I mean, may, maybe you're right. I don't know. 
Um, and I, you know, no offense to Jalen Hurts or anybody who loves Jalen Hurts is listening to this. He's a great player. I, I've, I've been a Jalen Hurts fan since the first time I saw him play for Alabama three or four years ago. Um, but he, I, my, my point is just that this offense is at its best when he and Kennedy Brooks are both running the ball and they're draining clock and they're, 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 they're doing that when when Jalen Hurts is a one man show, when he is uh, you know throwing the ball around a lot, when he is running the ball way more than than Kennedy Brooks is, the offense isn't as good. I agree one hundred percent, and and we're splitting hairs when it comes to to you know Kennedy Brooks, Jalen Hurts, and and this offense, and that's what makes football fun, in my opinion, is because you can put eleven guys out there on the offensive side of the ball, and 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 people can have different philosophies and and value different uh, assets uh, within an offensive scheme. And right now, I think things are clicking because uh, the organization, and by that I mean Lincoln Riley and his staff, realize that. Uh, the ground game is is incredibly important to this squad, and um, it goes back to the point that I was making earlier. It's that when when Kennedy Brooks or Ramondre Stevenson, or even when Ceedee Lamb gets a couple carries, I I really like when Ceedee Lamb gets involved in the run game. By the way, and it's a way to to feed the beast, to to feed your star receiver who may not be seeing the amount of touches that he wants. I think getting him involved in the rushing game is a is a really good idea as well but but like I said it's back to the overall point that Jason when when Kennedy Brooks is involved in the run game it actually opens Jalen Hurts up in the run game as well because the defense has to guess you know who's going to get the ball on the ground and Jalen Hurts can really pick his spots and and that's a good thing by the way that story um, that recap uh, quote how Kennedy Brooks again showed why Oklahoma needs to hand him the ball uh, that's on The Athletic. You can subscribe for 40% off at theathletic.com slash the outside world. You can get Jason Kersey's Oklahoma coverage. Uh, you can get our subscriber-only podcast as well. And you can get all of the, the content at The Athletic um, just for uh, a price of a latte a month. Trust me, it's the best Sooners coverage in the country, and it's worth every penny. Penny, can we address the, the elephant in the room in regards to the college football playoff? What's that? What's the elephant in the room? And by the way, that was no pun intended because with Alabama losing to Auburn, there is no elephant in the room anymore. It should have been pun intended. That's a great pun. I like puns. <laughs> so, so do I. Well, the, but the problem is there is no elephant in the room, so we have to address now the. the and you uh, know what? And you know what? Alabama never belonged in this year's college football playoff. It's Auburn did everyone a favor by taking that bad option away from the committee because. They they would have been real tempted to put a not elite Alabama team in the college football playoff, and I'm glad they no longer have the option to do that. I saw a lot of uh, folks ripping on that game yesterday, especially those who follow the Big 12, talking about how what we were oh, seeing yeah. was a lack of defense from Alabama. It was bad, but you won't hear that. No, you, you won't. won't hear that. Of course not. You won't. You won't hear that because now all of a sudden that LSU is putting up 50 points a game and letting people score 30 on them, and Alabama's doing the same thing. Um, that's a fun way to play football. That's not a, a conference with with terrible defense. But yeah, it's like it's, Yeah, it's like the what you hear is just the wow, man. This offense is so much fun. Yeah, it's been fun. You should have joined us in this in this uh, in this century. You know, ten years ago. <laughs> 
so Alabama's out, right? I mean, we, we know that. They're 10-2. Uh, it's over for them. They're not going to the SEC championship game. So they, they get moved aside when it comes to the, the college football playoff rankings. And that's pretty exciting uh, for Oklahoma fans because, you know, last week we, we talked about the Oregon loss opening a path. And we're sitting here today and we're talking about the Alabama loss opening a path. For Oklahoma, is it is it me or does it feel like like everything's fall, uh, falling the Sooners' way right now? Yeah, uh, it is. I mean, you have uh, you obviously have Alabama lose, you have Minnesota lose, which which means that you know there's only one Big Ten viable Big Ten team left uh, in, in the playoff race. Um, you have uh, you know the 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 ideal situation, honestly, for what OU's in right now is that the the only Pac-12 team you're contending with is Utah, and um, fair or not, uh, Oklahoma is going to have an advantage over Utah because of the logo. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but it, well, it is wrong if that's the reason OU gets in, in my opinion. Uh, it shouldn't, that logo shouldn't matter, but no. we all know that it does. And so, uh, you know, I think that's Id- an ideal situation. I also think, you know, I think there's a very good chance that Oregon's going to beat Utah next week and, and just remove all doubt. I mean, if, and if that happens, OU gets in, um, unless Georgia beats LSU. I mean, there's still some scenarios where OU doesn't get in, uh, obviously. I mean, Georgia beats LSU, then Georgia and LSU are both getting in. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Utah beats Oregon, beats them handily, and, uh, and the committee decides to put OU in. But I do sort of feel like the last few weeks – Things have been trending definitely in the right direction for OU if they're going to make that jump. I mean, the committee moving Baylor into the top ten this week um, that sets up OU f- to to have its final statement to the committee be a win over a top ten team in the Big Twelve championship game. Um, that's that seems good. OU has a chance to have a better win than Utah does this weekend, and, and truthfully, um, you know, and I, I I I think Utah would be deserving if they win next week, but. I also sort of don't quite see how you look at these two teams' resumes and and not have Oklahoma ranked ahead of them just because of the quality wins that OU has as compared to Utah. So, um, and then you had Kansas State yesterday beat Iowa State, which we were actually having a pretty interesting debate. Um, me and uh, I don't even know if you'd call it a debate. Me and Kerry Murdoch from SoonerScoop.com were sitting next to each other in the press box, and Kerry saw the score of Kansas State being Iowa State and said, "Oh, that's bad for the Big 12. You lose a ranked team, and I said, "Well, it's probably good for OU though that the team that beat it is going to be eight and four and potentially ranked again." So it's sort of interesting uh, to 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 think about that, how the committee will view all that. But um, I mean, I think OU's in pretty decent shape heading into conference championship weekend. Yeah, yeah I agree uh, completely. And the scenario we talked about in regards to to Baylor and how that rematch would would play out. If, if that would be viewed as a, as a quality win, you know, this is best-case scenario. I'm telling you, I mean, it feels like literally every single thing has gone in the Sooners' favor. And Baylor on Tuesday night jumping five spots in the rankings and then totally dismantling Kansas on their own, a place where, by the way, um, Sooners had a, a bit of a game uh, against, against KU, at least in the first half. But Baylor goes out there and just completely destroys them and with Minnesota going down this week uh, and, and Bama going down this week, uh, come Tuesday, 
I mean, there's a really good chance that that Baylor is is in the seven position, is in the seven hole, and and you're looking yeah. at a four seven or a five seven Big Twelve championship. I, I mean, this really has played out to where if Oklahoma, you know, demolishes Baylor in the Big Twelve championship game, and they're ranked in the top ten. Like, I don't even think what Utah does against Oregon matters at that point. The only issue that I have right now is that the fact that for some reason Utah is ranked ahead of, of Oklahoma as we as we sit here today and we wait for the, the new rankings. Yeah, I, like I said, I mean, I, I don't want to diminish what Utah has done this year um, at all. I, I think they would, would be very deserving uh, of a playoff spot. Um, you know, if they, if they were to win out, but I just look at the, the, the losses, uh, versus the wins. I mean, I think based on what we, uh, based on the criteria or based on the, the resumes, it seems pretty clear that right as of right now, anyway, the committee views having a quality, more quality loss as more important than having quality wins. And so you look at, you know, Utah's loss to USC, USC is a ranked team. Kansas State is not a ranked team as of as of uh, Sunday morning when we're recording this. So I, you know, I don't, I don't. But but then you look at the the wins, and I mean, Oklahoma has wins over Oklahoma State was a ranked team. Baylor was a ranked team. Uh, Iowa State wasn't. I, I don't remember if they were ranked or not when Oklahoma beat them, but they were ranked at least. Um, they probably won't be this week. Uh, after losing to Kansas State, but I mean, uh, the, Oklahoma has some some pretty some pretty good wins um, under its belt that Utah just doesn't have. So I I, uh, I I would think that Oklahoma, at the end of the day, at the end of all this, when you look at the complete resume, would have the better resume no matter what happens next weekend if they both win. But um, but we'll see. I mean, you know, I, I say that they value quality losses, but then you look at Georgia. Georgia has the worst loss of any of these teams in contention and they're ranked number four. So I don't really know what the committee talks about or what they do uh, when they're, when they're putting this all together. Seriously though. I mean, the committee, I think what they've done with, with Georgia, Jason, and, and I, it matters how much you lose by like, seriously, like it matters what the game looks like. You know, I've, I've called this a beauty contest. I've called this a pageant. I've called this Donald Trump's uh, Miss USA. And that's exactly what this is. If Georgia would have lost by two touchdowns to South Carolina, there's no way they're in that, that spot. But since the game went to overtime and South Carolina won on a field goal, the committee views that loss different. That's just the way it is. And and I feel more comfortable now than ever just like totally understanding what the committee does. Like this year to me, Jason, I feel like I've had an epiphany moment with this committee. Like I fought them for so long. And, and I feel like everybody in the, in the media business does like they think about um, schedule strength. They, they think about big time wins. Um, they think about tough losses. They think about resume, 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 resume. Rob Mullins, the committee chair goes up there every week and he tells you, you know, exactly what measurements or analytics or statistics uh, are important for this committee. But at the end of the day, what do they say all the time? They say, we watch every football game. We, we know every team. And I literally think this is just a, a group of people, Jason, that watch football games and then decide with their eyes who they think is best. Like, I, I don't think it's more difficult than that. I, I honestly don't. I think that 
if Georgia would have lost that game by, by two touchdowns, then, then things change. But, but getting into overtime at South Carolina on the road, um, for some reason the committee views, views that differently. And, and I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'll say if LSU, if LSU beats Georgia right in the SEC championship game and Oklahoma beats Baylor in the Big 12 championship game, I don't think there's even a discussion. And of course, that but, considers that Ohio State and Clemson winning as well. So you, you're saying there's no discussion on whether OU or Utah should get in? Is that what I you're think saying? It's just, I think it's just a ma- it's a manufactured debate. I, I think it's I think it's the pa- you look at the Pac-12 in Utah and people who who want to back the little guy to give everybody a chance. Um, you, you just you, the Pac-12 is just bad i mean if you look at utah's schedule and you're not impressed by anything and yeah you can be impressed by utah beating oregon if that happens but hey guess what oklahoma just beat a higher ranked team on championship weekend like yeah let's not make this more difficult than it is like if georgia loses to lsu and oklahoma beats baylor oklahoma goes to the playoff yeah, I, I I would probably agree. Um, I I just I I just think that the committee is so weird and unpredictable that um, the fact that they've had Utah ahead of OU now for so many weeks, um, if they both win, they're gonna. I mean, they they it's they can explain it, but they're going to also have to you know they're going to have to explain what was different about this weekend when Utah. I mean. Look, I'm not defending Utah or arguing for Utah to get in. I'm just saying that they're going to have a, a little bit of a PR situation if both Oklahoma and Utah win. They both look impressive against top 15 teams. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden they decide to flip Oklahoma and Utah. They're going to have to explain that. I mean, it's sort of like um, in the first playoff season when you know, they take TCU from being number three and drop them to number six behind Baylor and Ohio State after TCU wins a a, a route. Uh, yeah, it was like they, they know, beat the, Baylor by like 60 season. points, right? Well, they beat uh, Iowa State. They beat Iowa, Iowa State. State handily. And then, and then they finally made the flip because Baylor had one loss, but they finally flipped them ahead of TCU because they'd beaten them head-to-head. And gotcha. it, it didn't make any sense why in that last – week they flipped it and the explanation that was given was well now we have the complete resumes and we can look at this thing from a complete you know from a complete situation you can look at the complete uh you know thing or whatever um and and now that we can see everything and everybody's resume is out there and everybody's done we think baylor is ranked ahead of tcu or ohio state ranked ahead whatever um and and that's probably what they would do in this case if if this all goes down the way that you say that you think it's going to go down. And I I'm not even disagreeing with you. I just think that there's going to be a lot of pissed off people in Utah, um, and and maybe they should be pissed off if if they've been ranked ahead of Oklahoma all year and then at the last minute they get flipped out of the playoff. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I yeah. don't know. One hundred percent. Yeah. No. They, I mean that is how could you not? How could you not be upset in that situation? You're ranked ahead of them. And I think that's why Tuesday night's really important. Maybe Oklahoma makes the jump this week. Maybe Oklahoma's the higher-ranked team this week uh, because of their win on the road um, at Stillwater. I mean, that that could – could that not be enough of a reason for Oklahoma to make the jump? 
It could be, but again, what they would have to explain to Utah is why after they win by 30 points, even against a Colorado team that's not on the same level as Oklahoma State, why a 30-point win over Colorado isn't impressive enough for them to keep their position in the rankings. That, 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 this is the difficult thing that they have to explain, and this is what happens. Do you think, you know, can, when, let me stop you when, for a second. Let me stop you for a second. Yeah. I got to put you on the spot. Do you think that Oklahoma is ranked ahead of Utah on Tuesday night? No, I think they'll keep it the same. I disagree. I think, they'll keep I, I, think, I, think, I think Oklahoma is ranked ahead of Utah on, on Tuesday night. So I mean, we maybe. Little, we, it, we can have a little friendly wager on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't even – I, I don't know if I want to bet on it because I think there's a really good chance that they do that. I mean, they've been trending towards the Big 12 with each so ranking. you think there's a really good chance, but you're not willing to, to stick your neck out and say they will. You, right. See, there's there's a thing called credibility, Jason, and you have it because you're a great journalist, and um, you know I'm just the the producer here at the Athletic, so I can just <laughs> stick my my neck out and say I think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I think that that's entirely possible. I just think that right now, as of right now, they will keep things sort of the status quo this week, if I had God. to guess. But 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 here's the truth: I have no idea what they're going to do. I mean, I didn't expect them to jump Baylor three or four or five or whatever spots just for right. beating a bad Texas team. I mean, I, I have no idea what they're going to do on a week-to-week basis. And I don't think they know what they're going to do on a week-to-week basis. If, if you look at Utah's schedule, this is the last thing I'll say about it, and then if, if you look at Utah's schedule at this point, uh, the only ranked win that they have is, is against Arizona State. And when you go back to the Sooners and you take a look at all the wins that that Oklahoma has had and you add a a ranked win against Oklahoma State on top of a ranked win against Baylor and all of a sudden you can just make the argument this week and and the reason why I think they ultimately do it is is because they don't want to have to explain it next week to, to Utah I think there's going to be a discussion about the about projecting what happens. And I know they don't do that. They they don't do that anyway. But I, I think that the conversation that we just had, I think legitimately could be had in the committee deliberation room is if we if we if we put Oklahoma behind Utah and then we project things out next week and Oklahoma beats Baylor and and Utah beats Oregon, who do we put in? Because it's important. And I think I think I think the committee and and their reputation has taken a hit so far during this college football playoff era. And you're right. If 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 Utah stays ahead of Oklahoma, then Oklahoma jumps Utah at the last possible second. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of questions asked. I think there are, and I mean, it's entirely possible that that happens <laughs> this week, and they go ahead and put Oklahoma ahead of them. Um, I think. Oregon could do everybody a favor just by winning next week. True and if, if, if LSU and Oregon both win, then you know what? Everything is smooth sailing, and the committee is off the hook yet again of having to make a difficult decision because it's pretty obvious who should get in. Kind of like last year, it ended up being pretty obvious who the four teams should be. And if, and if Oregon or Baylor wins next week, it, well, well, you know what? No, if if uh, if I guess if Baylor and Utah win, then Baylor's going to have a, a claim to it too, and then it gets even you know more complicated. So, but but if Oklahoma wins, if and Oregon wins, and LSU wins, and Clemson and Ohio State win, 
then it's super obvious who the four teams should be. And honestly, it's like, I don't know. It's, I, I say that it's that Auburn did everybody a favor yesterday, and I think they did in terms of keeping a very un a very un Alabama ish Alabama team out of the playoff this year. Um, but it's but I also sort of have thought that maybe it would have been a good thing if Alabama had found a way to sneak in the back door again. Just because that if if Alabama had been able to sneak in the back door against a one loss. Uh, Big 12 or a one-loss Pac-12 champion, I think maybe finally we get an 18 playoff. I think that would be the push <laughs> that would finally get us an 18 playoff. So maybe, maybe Auburn screwed us out of what we what we rightfully deserve, which is an 18 playoff. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Auburn did definitely Auburn did de- uh, definitely did not screw me, Jason, because I am marrying into an Auburn family, and I was on the couch yesterday with my fiance watching Auburn Alabama, and it was much better for me afterwards uh with auburn taking home the w in in jordan hair stadium if you can how uh catch my yeah how in the world has has nick saban not figured out kicking i mean it's 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 unbelievable that that's the one thing they have consistently sucked at and the best part about it is that daniel carlson the former auburn kicker uh, his brother now is kicking for Auburn and had a really nice game yesterday. Uh, made three field goals um, over 40 yards in that football game. Um, they are from Alabama, and their family are huge Alabama fans. And Saban can't even get those guys at Alabama. For some reason, they decided to go to Auburn, and they've been kicking for Auburn for you know the last – six, seven years, and that has been, honestly, the difference. And that's what it's like. And, and Oklahoma, they, they know what it's like to have a big-time rival in state that, that can recruit and maybe pluck some guys. If Nick Saban were, was able to get the Carlson brothers to come to Alabama, in-state kids, family loves the Tide, but no, Gus Malzahn got him at Auburn. And Daniel Carlson, who's now in the NFL, he's the – Leading scorer in SEC history. Think about that for a second. It's crazy. And now his brother's doing work, and, and Bama's out in the dark. They're out in the wilderness. It's it's unreal how they can't find a kicker. It is absolutely unreal. And at first it was a joke. Like we would joke, ah, Bama kickers, uh, you know, you never have faith in them. But at this point, when you look back at Saban's legacy at Bama, like you're going to talk about how they could just never get it right in the kicking game. Well, nobody's uh, crying any tears for Nick Saban or Alabama. Oh, no. Uh, I mean, so. I'll, I'll, t- I'll, I'll be honest. Like, the, uh, in watching that game yesterday, uh, I'll say that, like, Gus Malzahn and Nick Saban, their, their sideline demeanor just completely sucks, both of them. Like, they scream and they whine and they yell and they pout and they complain all freaking game long, both of them. And, like, does, does Lincoln Lincoln Riley doesn't really do that much, does he? Like he always seems cool, calm, and collected on the sideline. I mean, he gets pissed off. Uh, what was it? Um, there, there was a there was a moment, maybe maybe last week or when he thought there should have been a targeting. I don't know. There there are moments when he gets really fired up, but um, but yeah, does for he, the most part, he does stays he get fired calm. up at his players. Like, how, what is how does Lincoln Riley treat yeah. like a player that makes a mistake? Does he like undress him on the sideline in front of everybody? I really I feel like I haven't he, seen that much. 
he has done it. Um, but but you know, for the most part, I I don't think that's a common occurrence. No, no, I I, I don't see that at Oklahoma, and, and quite frankly, I don't see that around around college football very often. But I mean, there's something about Nick Saban and Gus Malzahn, and maybe just the the, the culture of of winning at all costs in the state of Alabama. That you know, when when people make mistakes, man, those guys go go absolutely bonkers. Um, on the sidelines and, and Nick Saban at the end of the game, the, the the twelve men on the field penalty, and and we can get into we can get into that on some other shows. And by the way, if you want to hear more about the the rivalry weekend at large, you can listen to the Andy Staples show. Um, check that out as well. Andy had had Stuart Mandel on the show this weekend, uh, Ari Wasserman and Bill Landis as well from from Ohio State, Michigan. That's a lot of good content um, when you're through with with all your your Sooners coverage. Uh, we're into the Big Twelve Championship week here now, Jason. Uh, you're going to head back to to Dallas, where you were uh, last year um, against Texas in the, in that rematch. That was a heck of a game. That was one of my favorite games uh, last year in, in in all of college football. Now we've got now Oklahoma's got the rematch with Baylor. Do you expect fireworks that that maybe we saw last year against that Texas team? Well, I mean, I think it's going to be a fun game. I mean, obviously Oklahoma and Baylor played a, a classic just uh, just a few weeks ago, and uh, you know pretty what turned out to be a pretty even even game i mean 31 to 30 obviously um the the two halves were were quite different at that time uh, i don't expect ou to come out quite so uh so slow this this time um but baylor is still a really good team baylor can can definitely beat oklahoma so uh, i think it's gonna be really fun i can't wait i love games in jerry world um i love covering big championship games it's gonna be really exciting i can't wait me too. Absolutely. Championship week is here. Um, look forward to Jason's coverage this week. Uh, when do you plan on heading out to Dallas? Oh, Friday. Go, go, Friday. Drive down Friday. Yep. Drive down Friday. Uh, morning, and that, we're, we're back to 11 a.m. next week. So I was going to say, you literally took the, took the thought right out of my brain. I was going to say, man, isn't, doesn't that game kick at 11 a.m.? <laughs> Something that you're it used does. to uh, in 2019. And... Um, Man, by the way, um, 2019, it's December 1st as we record this today. Uh, enjoy the last month of the decade, all right, my friend? I shall. I will. Very much it's, so. It's the outside world. Remember, if you're not an, an athletic subscriber, now what are you waiting for? Uh, now's a good time to do it. We're coming up on, on the Big 12 championship game. We're coming up on bowl season. And all you have to do is go to theathletic.com slash the outside world where you can receive 40% off an annual subscription and trust me uh, it's worth it if you want to be a smart football fan being an athletic subscriber is is a prerequisite i'm john hayes you can follow me at john hayes on air on twitter you can follow my main man jason kersey at jason kersey until next time this is the outside world and look out for jason's subscriber only podcast later this week previewing that big 12 championship game we just mentioned against baylor in jerry's world it should be a fun one until next time We'll talk to you soon.